Welcome to the Homeownership Insights Podcast, your leading mortgage podcast, sponsored by Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. Listen as experts from across the country share knowledge to help home buyers and homeowners make the best decisions in their homeownership journey. Our next podcast begins right now. Welcome back to the Homeownership Insights Podcast. I'm Casey Morris, and today I'm talking with Fairway Loan Officer Brittany Hansen, and she is going to be sharing a bit of her personal story. So background for anybody who's listening who hasn't heard some of our episodes where we talk about our keep playing stories. Every morning, someone from Fairway shares a story about something that's happened in their life or lessons that they've learned, um, adversity that they've overcome, um, what they've learned from other people in their lives. And it's a really amazing tradition that we have and really inspiring way to start the day. And um, Brittany has shared some really powerful personal lessons um, and experiences and losses uh, that she's had. And so we have her on today to kind of talk about, you know, how that's shaped her life. So Brittany, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. So when I was reading your key playing story, what I noticed was that the theme that life is short comes up a lot, um, understandably, um, beginning with you contracting a rare form of meningitis at age 16. And then your doctor said that it was a miracle that you recovered the way that you did. So can you talk a little bit about how going through that at such a young age, how that shaped your perspective and your outlook on life, you know, as you went through young adulthood and, you know, became a professional? Yeah, it's just kind of interesting, you know, when you're that age, you kind of have that in like you're invincible, (laughs) like you don't really think about death or anything like that. When you're that young, you're worried about who's asking you to junior prom more than anything. Of course. (laughs) And it was actually interesting. The same night I went to the ER with spinal meningitis because I lost movement of the left side of my body and I couldn't talk or use my hands anymore. And a center of our basketball team had a triple bypass heart surgery that night. And we were both supposed to be at the basketball game. So it was just weird that two of us at the same time went through that. And, you know, I didn't really, it didn't sink in fully when I was in the hospital, but as I was leaving, you know, with no side effects, I could talk again, everything cleared up and I'm walking out of the hospital when I should have been rehabbing to learn all those things again. And, you know, him stopping me and saying that it's kind of stayed with me in that, I've never accepted when I don't like where my life is at because I'm like, you know what? We have one life to live. So I've never stayed when things make me unhappy, you know, whether it be relationships, jobs, um, trajectory of life. And like, it's hard when people talk to me and my advice is always like, well, you know, you can leave. (laughs) There are changes. You can make change in life. So I think that's like, I kind of use it as my like ammunition in life that Your life can be whatever you want to be. You may as well live it because how often do people have so many regrets towards the end of all the things they wanted to do? And, you know, they focus more on work or they didn't have the money to do it or this and that. They had a lot of excuses. So I've been happy that it's given me more of a push in life to really actually live every day and to not let the little things get to me as much. I can brush off a lot of things from that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that having that perspective and remembering that you can change your circumstances, it's something that we all forget to, you know, to think about when we're frustrated or we feel stuck, but there's always an an option, you know, you might have to kind of dig to find it, but there is. So I think that's really powerful. And that was your doctor, right? Who had stopped you and said, who told you to make your life count because it was such an incredible thing that you recovered the way that you did. Yeah. I mean, they'd flown in other brain people to come look at my test results just because once you have those side effects, if you've ever seen someone with a stroke, you don't just bounce back and talk again. You have to relearn it all. And they were all like, I don't really know what happened here. So we just kind of had to look at it as, you know, it's my second chance at life. 
yeah, that's amazing. Really amazing. And then beyond your own recovery, you also went through a couple of traumatic losses, um, losing two people close to you, a boyfriend who died in a car accident while you were out of town, and then an ex-boyfriend who committed suicide. And those are such tragic losses, especially at a relatively young age and someone who you are in an intimate romantic relationship with. And, you know, you have that bond. How did those losses shape you, particularly because they were so young and because you were young? I think that's the hardest part is, you know, when you're that young, like your early 20s, um, you don't expect people around you to die. <laughs> and I had actually even had a third loss to a friend died in a plane crash. Oh, my God. And I spent at a party with them and then they left. So I think it was really hard. I'm not going to say it was easy to get through because it's really hard to accept loss when you're young. And, you know, I still think about today, like, what would they be doing today? Like, I kind Mm -hmm. of have those thoughts. And instead of letting it, like, you know, make me cry or, like, ruin my day, I kind of just have to be as, like, well, at least I got to know them while they were here. And, again, with relationships, you know, sometimes it makes me remember to call a friend, you know, call your parents, call your family, that no matter how busy you are, you have to remember that everybody's not going to be here always. So I think in my friendships and relationships, that's really been a cause for me to like, you know, forgive someone, not say horrible things to people, because what if that was your last conversation? And it has shaped me of just appreciating people in my life around me and really cherishing that I get those moments with them. Because again, you know, I try not to be morbid about it, but People can die at any moment, like it happens all day, every day. So just using that to remember that life's precious. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful what you said, that instead of sort of focusing on the fact that someone's gone to be grateful that you got to know them while they were here. And I think that can be really comforting because it is really hard, especially when somebody dies young that you feel like there's such a loss. They had so much left to do and so many things to experience. And while that's true, you can kind of get stuck in that way instead of focusing and saying, well, thank God I I had the opportunity to know them. Yeah. And especially, you know, suicide's never an easy thing. You have to go through a lot of, you know, it's nothing to do with you. And that's my advice I give people who deal with suicide. You have to remember there's nothing you probably could have done. You know, Mm -hmm. that was their time and their struggle. So you just got to love on them when they were here, but it can't really be blamed on anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And then um, in early 2020, you know, I mean, before obviously everyone went through COVID, um, you suffered another loss, which was your friend Molly, who sounded like an absolutely brilliant, amazing person. Um, You know, just she sounded incredibly full of life. And I remember reading your Keep Playing story and being inspired by the way that you described her. Um, And so I can't imagine what that loss was like. But you also talked about making that, you know, taking that and not focusing so much on the loss, but like living out the life that, you know, that she would have wanted you to have. So can you talk about that and how after so much, you still are able to hold on to that perspective? Oh yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to say I wasn't a mess for a while when Molly passed, but of course I always would like laugh in the back of my head because we both aren't super warm and fuzzy people. So I'm like, she'd be so mad and probably making fun of me that I'm crying. Be like, you know, know, just pushing me forward with that. Just And like Molly had gone through some losses too. You know, she knew a lot of the same people I did in college, but it was just crazy that she had reached the peak of her life. And I have to always think about like, I don't, I can't think of anything Molly didn't do that she wanted to do. And so like with her dying, she honestly had accomplished so much in life. I mean, becoming a brain surgeon is pretty big, but also like travel adventure. She backpacked the Rockies. 
she would go heli skiing in Switzerland, like just crazy stuff that you're like, your life is fake. We did a road <laughs> trip through Ireland together for 14 days and just had a blast. We didn't book anything. We just would find places to stay along the way. So I just have to remember that Molly would want me to keep living. And, you know, there's times when work gets the best of me and I'm like, oh, I can't go on a trip. And I'm like, if a brain surgeon could find time to do this, <laughs> I think on my schedule, I can probably take some time off. So I think that's what pushes me to keep living that I don't have those regrets because, you know, she didn't plan on dying that day in an avalanche, but what you do with what you have left, you know, I've had to choose to have it propel me. And that's why I take her with me. And when I, I'm going to Maui in November and I'm like, that's my holiday this year. And so, and it was really fun when my keep playing came out, how many people emailed me and said, I just booked a vacation today because you hear of so many people like when I'm older, you know, I'm going to go do this, this, and this. And it's like, no, go do it now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> put, put effort into doing those bucket list items now and spending time with your family and making those memories. Cause that's what you're going to go to the grave with or those things, not your tangible things or your, you know, bragging that you could work 60 hours a week for 20 years. Yeah, definitely. I love that so many people read that and booked vacations because I feel like that is one of those big things where people are like, oh yeah, someday I want to go here. Or I want to see this, you know, when I retire or next year, five years or something. And we forget that that's not guaranteed. And, and you don't know, not necessarily that you're going to be gone in a few years, but you don't know what your life circumstances will be. And if you'll ever get to take that trip. So while you have the opportunity, it's important to keep that perspective. Yeah. It's like, you do have to, it's such a cliche statement, but I do work hard to play harder. <laughs> and everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, I was doing fun stuff. And I'm like, well, don't get it twisted. There's a lot of 15 hour days in the week in there, but yes, on that weekend, I'm going to do whatever I can so that my whole life is at work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, you also talked about um, an experience when you were a flight attendant and you had met a man who worked at Goldman Sachs and was sharing his regrets about the fact that he worked long hours. He wasn't living a life he was passionate about. He sacrificed a lot of time with his family. How did that conversation affect you um, in terms of your outlook and, you know, just how has that kind of stayed with you? I think a big way is like, you know, we covet the big houses, the fancy car, the boat. And like that guy had all that. And like, for me, you know, it's really easy, especially mortgage to get caught up in that life and wanting more and more and more, but it really isn't who I am as a person. And so like, that really brings me back to reality to be like, yes, that person might have that $1.5 million house. That's phenomenal, but are they really happy or do they even get to use it? So right. for me, that was such a pivotal because at the time, even in that exact time, my family would kind of give me crap because they were like, hey, you're super smart and you have a college degree. Like, how long are we going to do this flight attendant gig? <laughs> so I kind of beat myself up sometimes, like, am I living to my potential? But I was also traveling the world at the time. And it kind of gave me that solace to be like, I'm glad I'm doing this right now because when I'm 60, you know, your knees are out, your back hurts. Like, you can't go do all the fun things that you're able to do in your 20s. And I just, I've taken that perspective with me as I've come, you know, been in mortgage this last seven years of work gets crazy. And I always have to be like, don't let this consume you. Don't let this be your entire life because those were his regrets. And I mean, that's mm -hmm. the guy at the pinnacle. He was like one of the top people at Goldman Sachs. Like I can't even fathom how much money he makes, but he was just like, when I'm talking to a group of people and telling them about this big merger, it's not that impressive. Everybody wants to hear the guy that's like, I climbed Kilimanjaro and everybody pivots to look at that guy, that that's what I've tried to keep my life work. Cool. We can talk about it for a second, but let's talk about other things <laughs> that we're doing in life and traveling. And 
I don't know why that conversation's always stayed with me, but it was just one of those pivotal ones that I remember that the grass isn't always greener, you know, when you accumulate mm-hmm. that much wealth or prestige or, you know, those big titles. Yeah. I think that's such an awesome uh, anecdote to share because I think sometimes, you know, when you get to that stage in your life where everyone's sort of moving forward in their career and people are buying houses and, you know, they're buying the boats and they start to have that disposable income, you can kind of get into that place where you're like, do I have enough? Like, maybe I should be working more. Maybe I should want that. But then it's a great reminder to be like, this guy had everything, you know, he had, he was at the height of his career and still he wasn't fulfilled. And it, and it wasn't that impressive because it ultimately, if you're not fulfilled, it doesn't mean anything to you, but it's fleeting for other people too. It's like, oh, cool. You have this great job, but then they, they do want to hear about the person who climbed Kilimanjaro. Cause it's like, wow, that's unique and interesting and, you know, adventurous. Totally. Awesome. So just, you know, sort of to come back to, uh, you know, sort of the theme of your, of your keep playing, um, you know, you shared some of your philosophy on life and that you take the trips, the holidays, which I think it's so great that you call them that, you know, you eat the good food and take advantage of every opportunity um, and that you manifest happiness and make life what you wanted instead of getting stuck when things aren't right. And I think people can get stuck, you know, when day after day, you feel like you're not seeing this, the silver lining and you're like, I don't, this, my life isn't right, but I don't know how to change it. So what advice would you give to someone who's kind of been in that place for a while and maybe is listening to this and is looking for just that like little tiny spark that's going to get them to think differently and start to shake things up? I would say like a big thing I think about is if you focus on all the bad things, all you're going to see are the bad things. So I've been doing kind of an experiment lately where with micro joys, because I think about happiness a lot. And I think we put all these parameters on it, but what I think true happiness is those fleeting moments in a day, you know, that really good cup of coffee, the beautiful sunrise you watch, uh, your favorite song comes on in the car and you get a little giddy and excited and they're like dumb little minuscule things. But I think when you can find those throughout your day, it really shows your happiness And, you know, when someone yells at you or they have a bad day, I always would joke when I was a flight attendant, when people scream at me, I'm like, man, I feel bad for that person that something this little can just set them off and ruin their whole day that I try and remind people of that when, you know, you talk to those people that are negative all the time. And I'm like, hey, have you ever thought about focusing on like the good things and what that would feel like? So I'd say my tidbit is, you know, even if you have to get your phone out to take a picture of that fleeting happy moment to remind yourself just to put it top of mind and start your day with. I'm going to be happy today. Not like I have this, this, and this, and I have to be around this person and blah, blah, blah. Then you are going to be in that mood all day or start it happy, you know, do a gratitude journal. There's tons of things you can do, but that's my biggest advice is find the good things. Even when you're having the most horrible day or your life feels at the very bottom, I promise there's little bits of happiness in there. If you want to find them. That's awesome. I love micro joys. I hadn't heard that before, but I love that term. I feel like as soon as people hear it, they're going to be like, oh yeah, I, I know what that means. And I know I can find at least one or two in my day. So I think that's amazing. That's a fun concept. Like the other day I was driving on this beautiful mountain pass and my, like a song I love came on and it was just this beautiful view. And then I look over and there was two beavers in the water and I was just like, screaming and I was like I'm such a dork but like I was so happy for the rest of my ride just from that little tiny thing that's so cool that but that is that's like one of those moments where you're like oh life is good like I just saw that my song is on it's beautiful and it's important to appreciate those moments 
Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. This was amazing. And I hope that, you know, people are able to listen to it and, you know, take some of the amazing energy that you have and your perspective um, and, you know, go out and find those micro joys and make those changes and book the vacation, you know, and make the most of the time they have. And thank you so much for having me. It was great to be on here. 